0: Um, some of you may or may not know this, but when I was in college, uh, I, so I, I was supposed to be a band director when I grew up. So I went to, I went to school, went to college to study music, supposed to be a band director when I grew up, I was supposed to teach kids how to play their instruments, how to make beautiful music together. Uh, my son, as well as some of your kids, had their first middle school band concert This past week at Wacom Middle School and all of its sixth grade glory, you know, hot cross buns, all that, Uh, that's what I went to school to do. So part of my music experience there at Baylor University in Waco, Texas, was getting the chance to play in a number of different groups or ensembles. I played in the jazz band. I played in the wind ensemble, played in the marching band, got to be the uh, drum major, of the marching band, I played in the symphony orchestra. Always a fun thing, when, especially when you get to play Mahler's Resurrection Symphony Number Two, as well as various other smaller quartets and quintets. Uh, one of the one of my most unique experiences during my college years was playing for the opera. One time, it didn't come up, it didn't come up very much that I could play in the opera, and so. This time I got to play an opera. And it was unique because um, you're not on stage like you would be uh, in a wind ensemble or symphony orchestra or on the marching band field when you're in the marching band. Uh, But with the opera, you're in in what's called the pit. The pit, you know, it's it's what they call it. It's right up there in front of the stage. Uh, Usually there's this open spot right in front of the stage where all the vocalists can... Um, see the conductor, and the, and the instrumentalists are down beneath the stage, kind of this area, looking at the conductor this way. And so, um, you know, that's, that's, where, that's where we were. Now, for the shows like the Oscars and stuff like that, you know, they do everything by video now, right? Sometimes they're not even at the same venue. They're, they're running things digitally from, uh, from a you know, recording studio down, down the street in Hollywood, piping it over to the awards venue. Well, for the brass section that I was playing in for this particular opera, there was no room for us in the pit. That particular opera had called for a larger orchestra, and so they had the the, the brass section uh, over in this little side... Left, uh, stage left side room We were kind of in the, where, the, uh, where the spotlights usually are kept And kind of the, the uh, le- electrical closet was We were just kind of thrown up there somewhere Because they didn't have any room for us down in the pit um, Now playing in, uh, playing in the opera is, is an exercise in patience Because, you know, really you're there to support the singers The opera singers So you're waiting around a lot, lots of rests, and you have to play really soft, which as a bass trombone player like me, then soft is lame, (laughs) right? So the opera that we were doing, really it's called an operetta, and the operetta that we were playing was Johann Strauss's The Fleeter Mouse, The Bat. And many operas and operettas open up with what is called an overture, right? The overture was Played by just the orchestra, no voices, no singing, no words to it or anything And it was used, the overture was used to kind of let the audience and the cast know that the show was about to begin And what the overture did was to introduce the musical themes that you would then hear throughout the rest of the opera As the story of the opera unfolded well, this is exactly what John is doing here at the beginning of his telling of Jesus' story. These first 18 verses are like an overture that introduces the themes that you will hear as you read the rest of John's account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. These first 18 verses are are incredible, just like Strauss' defleater mouse. Just this incredible flurry of motifs and themes and ideas that uh, you will see come back through the story. John is an absolute literary genius in his artistic presentation of what he's about to uh, tell his church, tell the world. These first 18 verses have enough meat on them for you to chew on for a lifetime. And I want to encourage you to try and do so, okay, for the rest of your life. We are not going to preach through every single 18 verses of John's prologue because that would be just way too much. Tonight, I would like to focus more towards the end of John's overture. Um, You know, we, we hear verse 14 is a famous verse, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. We beheld his glory. You you may know Eugene Peterson's famous translation of that verse, that uh, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, right? Love that word picture. Jesus, the word, enters the world full, John says, full of grace, full of truth, full of glory, He enters a world not so glorious, full of glory. Even when things around him were not glorious, the political unrest and volatility, the religious confusion of the times, the obscurity of the place, the presence of pain and suffering... Even when things are not glorious, we can still find glory through it all because of Jesus Christ. He entered the world full of glory. Really what has captured my heart the last month or so has been this verse 16, which says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace. In place of grace already given. Literally, it reads, for from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. There's a a number of different ways you can translate that verse, but I think uh, this version captures it really, really well. It's not just from the fullness of his grace we have received, but it's the fullness of him. Some translations say, for from the fullness of his grace we have all received well, they've kind of updated that and made sure it's like, it says, from his fullness. It's not just from the fullness of his grace that we have received, but it's from the fullness of him that we have received. And so, for some reason, this particular year, that verse has um, just stopped me in my tracks. It's stayed in my head. It has captured my heart about those who are believers, those who um, have Apprenticed themselves to Jesus Christ those who Know that the word Really did become flesh and blood God that he is God in the flesh Those who have received him Into their lives and were and did not Reject him but received him Into their Lives and have become children of God Those who know him Of his Fullness John says we have Received that is incredibly Amazing to me and has captured my heart of his fullness we have received grace upon grace upon grace so what i like to do is just take those three phrases from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness <clears throat> from his fullness the you know this season of the of the life of the church called epiphany right which as you know means a manifestation a revelation a realization right you've had those moments where you realize something, light bulb comes on in your mind. You realize something that you hadn't before, or you realize something that you hadn't remembered in a long time. This happened to me yesterday, of all days, when Bethany, my wife, and I, we were planning out our schedule for the next few months, uh, and we got to April 27th, which is our anniversary, which will be anniversary number 17. Now, for me, for some reason, it hit me, number 17 anniversary, uh, that felt like a, a longer time than just a 16-year anniversary. For, for, it was just one of those one of those moments, and there was a sudden realization that I was like, "Wow, that's well, that's, that's kind of a long time. That's closer to 20 than it is to 10. Uh, you, that's kind of a, that's kind of a long time." And it's still, and then the realization, well, it kind of kind of still feels like the first time. Still feels like the first year. That's really a, that's a cool realization when you're like, oh, wow, it's just as awesome at year 17 as it is in year one. So I had kind of a little epiphany yesterday. It was a great epiphany. I'll take those kind of epiphanies every day, <laughs> any day. Now, not all epiphanies are that great, right? But can we, as the church, can we please come back to that kind of a place, Again, with Jesus, can we get to a place where we, where we can have a realization each day, a fresh realization each day of, oh my gosh, this, this is God. This is God in his fullness, in his fullest expression. Wow, this, this Jesus that, we're, that John is talking about, that we're, that we're reading about, who, who, is this, who does this guy think he is? Who is this man? Who is this person who would, who would die for me? <laughs> For, for me, of all people, can, can it really be true? It's got to be true because, I mean, it makes the most sense of everything I've read, the plausibility structures of how I'm living my life all come into question now because of this person. Wow. Can, can we get to that kind of a place again? Just like we sang these, these songs this morning, uh, this afternoon with uh, this evening, <laughs> this evening, with uh, how, great, uh, how great thou art. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. God, you, you, do we actually sing it like that? Where, where it takes our breath away? I mean, it ought to make us sing the, that verse uh, at least at a forte instead of a mezzo, <laughs> instead of a mezzo forte, you know? Wow, can it be true? Let's get to that place where we re- realize once again, wow, this is God in his fullest form. Last month in the season of Advent and Christmas, we sang, right, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate, the deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. All of what we need God to be is in this person. It's not just a good idea. It's not just an abstract, abstract sentiments. Not just a theory of life. Not just a plausibility structure, but it's a person of his fullness, the fullness of Jesus Christ. Jesus saw this fullness in himself. John chapter seventeen, verses twenty and twenty-one. Jesus praises his Father and he acknowledges. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they, speaking of his followers, may they also be in us. John chapter 14, verses 9 and 10, John, Jesus says, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 38, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. So, Jesus saw this fullness of God in himself. The writer of Hebrews saw the fullness of God in Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Paul saw the fullness of God in Jesus himself. He writes in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 19 in him, in Jesus. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, not just begrudgingly dwell, oh, I gotta go down to save these people who can't get their act together. He he was pleased, all the fullness of God was pleased to enter into humanity. And then in chapter, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says it again: For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Christ is full. Of all of who God is He is full of grace He is full of truth There is no end to his mercy There is no end to his faithfulness There is nothing you can do To exhaust him Of his grace and truth Of his mercy, of his faithfulness Of his love for you There's no amount of bad things you can do To make him Love you any less There's no amount of good things You can do to make him love you any more There's never a time when he gets exasperated with you, crosses his arms and sighs, oh my gosh, you did that again? Well, I guess I'll forgive you this time, but I don't know how long I can keep going. I'm kind of getting tired. No, there is a fullness to Jesus Christ that fills the entire universe with his being. That's why darkness cannot overcome the light, as John says, because there's no real room for the darkness, except Except for that which we allow, right? That's why I love the opening song. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, spirit, blaze. Set our hearts on fire. Gosh, if you really, if you really, if you really meant what you sang, how would your world be different? Phew, man. This is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, right? And um, we're grateful for his life, and the way that he showed us, put into practice what it looks like. And you know the famous quote that we hear very often this time of year, and we got to remember we can't just make Martin Luther King into one quote one time a year. we got to live out what he modeled himself. But the famous quote is, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. He's talking about an other-centered He's talking about the other-centered love of Jesus Christ, fullness of God in Jesus Christ, the fullness of God here in a person, the whole reason why we're doing this in the first place. Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ, full of glory. Well, what does that actually look like? Uh, As we look throughout his life, as we look through John's gospel, we discover qualities that had never been combined before, perhaps. We we see that Jesus is full of tenderness, yet without any breakage. We see that he is full of strength, yet without any heavy handedness. We see that Jesus is full of humility, yet without any timidity. We see that he is full of firm convictions and yet totally approachable. We see that he is full of passion, yet without any form of prejudice or playing favorites. He is full of power, yet without any hint of abuse or insensitivity. He is full of all of what we need. Out of his fullness, from his fullness. We got to begin there, that Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. He is the, he's full of exactly what we need for our lives Let's realize that about him once again. John continues then. He says, Out of his fullness, we have all received. It's out of his fullness, out of his fullness, out. Uh, It's that little Greek preposition, ek, meaning from out of the center of, out of the center of Jesus' fullness, out of his own fullness, we have received his fullness. It's an incredible miracle to me in the first place that the fullness of God becomes a person. But maybe the next incredible miracle is that we have received of all of that fullness. In fact, Paul prays that for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, Paul is praying for Church, he says, uh, I pray that you may have power to and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That, that's quite the prayer, if you think about it, that you may be filled to all to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays that the fullness Christ Himself has as God, would fill us as well. That the fullness that Christ himself has as God would fill us as well. Paul prays for us to be filled with tenderness, yet without breaking. For us to be filled with strength, yet without any heavy-handedness to manipulate people to do what we want them to do. Paul prays for us to be full of humility, yet without a hint of fear or timidity. He prays for us to be full of firm convictions, yet totally approachable. He prays for us to be full of passion for whatever you're passionate about, yet without prejudice or preference. He prays for us to be full of power, yet without any hint of abuse, of insensitivity. That kind of fullness, it's out of his fullness. All of that is available for us. You know, and so it makes me think about when we're feeling... Unfull, I guess. When we're feeling empty, when we're feeling empty, what do you fill yourself up with? When you're feeling unfull, what do you fill yourself up with? Don't fill it up with something other than Jesus himself. There's nothing else that has this kind of fullness. So I just want to encourage you to resolve in your heart when you're feeling empty, when you're feeling bored, when you're feeling unfulfilled. Don't Don't just Netflix binge on a show, but... Get, come to Jesus, come to the source of fullness itself, and let him fill you. Uh, too often, we want, to, we want Jesus not to be our fullness, but we want Jesus to be our supplement, right? Uh, you know, to, to supplement what we are already doing. Lord, please bless my plans here, because I really want my life to go this way. Uh, this, is really, this is a really good life, God. I'm, you know, I really want to go this way. Uh, please bless my plans for me going this way. Do we only come to Jesus when we're in trouble? Do we only come to Jesus when we need help? Do we simply use Jesus to try and get the life that we want? Or is Jesus the reason that you get up in the morning? Is He the center of your universe when everything about your life is centered around Him, your habits? Just the little things that you do every single day, every single day, day after day, week after week, month after month, you're spending, how you spend your money, how you spend your free time. Is he the center of your, of your universe where everything orbits around his plans for your life and not your own plans for your life? If Jesus really is who John says he is, and he really, and he really answered Paul's prayer for us if Jesus really is the one through whom all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made, if, for example, if he's placed the sun right where it's supposed to be in our solar system with all of its power, all of its energy, all of its, all of its force, then as, as somebody else has said, this is not the type of person that you simply have as a personal assistant, right? If he's the one that put that blazing ball of fire and energy in place and orders the universe, he's not the kind of person that you just call in when you need help or to help you uh, as a personal assistant. He's not just a supplement. He's the type of person you surrender. He's not a supplement. He's the person you surrender your whole life to. And John says, of his fullness, we have all received. That's a very key word, received, received. Very key. Not all those, he doesn't say, all those who have attained perfection have received of his fullness. He doesn't say those who have achieved a certain social status or a certain financial status in their life or a certain career status. He doesn't say those who have earned their way in, those who have done more good things than bad things in their life, receive of his fullness. He doesn't say those who have taken religion by the horns and, uh, uh, and, <laughs> and do the religion thing really, really well, have his fullness. Only those who receive in fact, John says we have all received. You know, He's talking to his church. He's preaching to his church, writing for his church. It's not just a select few. It's not just the good people. It's not the super spiritual holy people. It's, the good, it's not just the good-looking Christians who receive his fullness. Of his fullness, we have all received, received, received. How many of you are the kinds of people, when you get a gift and it's all wrapped up, you know, I'm not talking about like the kind of gift I wrap up, I just put it in a bag, throw some tissue paper on top and say, here you go. Not that kind of gift, but somebody who like, uh, when, when you get the gift and it's all wrapped up in wrapping paper and like really, really nice with tape and everything. How many of you are the kind of people that when you get something like that, you rip into it? Or are you on the other side where you, you, know, you peel off the tape so slightly so that you can, just, you can preserve the whole shape of the, uh, of the wrapping paper when it comes out? How many of you are the first one? Are you, you're rippers. How many of you are rippers? You just rip into it. How many of you are, um, you know, peel the tape off? Awesome. Good. That's about half and half. It's pretty good. You know, there's, all, there's room for all of us in the kingdom of God. <laughs> But, but think about it, when you get a gift like that, it would, it would do no good to get a gift and be like, oh, thank you for this gift, and then you just leave it in the box. You just set it to the side. My kids would, uh, they, would they would flip out. That would be weird. I mean, that would be selfish, right? I mean, you then become the center of the gift, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh. You kind of you steal the joy, uh, away from the giver of the gift, who wants to watch you open it or tear into it however you however you do, <laughs> but receiving a gift right re- requires humility right it requires gratitude, it requires a willingness to open it, it requires a willingness to be affected by it. My son, this past Christmas, he got oh I hope this is not we can edit this out no one 's going to hear this. none of my family 's going to hear this um, so he got. He got the same exact gift from his grandmother as he did last year, my youngest son. And he was like, he opened it, uh, and we, we actually coached him ahead of time, not, not knowing that he was going to get the same gift, but we were like, if you don't get a gift that you, if you get a gift that you don't like, or if you don't like the gift that you got, what do we do? We, you know, we talk about that kind of stuff. Um, and so he, he got it, and he, bless his heart, he held it together, he was like... Thank you. (laughs) It was was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. He did it. He was strong. But you receive receive the gift. It requires humility. It requires a, a willingness to be affected by it. You receive the gift of the fullness of Jesus Christ simply by saying, yes, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You say you're the savior of the world. You say you are the bread of life. You say you are the light of the world. You say you are the door of the sheep. You say you are the way, the truth, the life. And because you are who you say you are, Jesus, I will live in the way you want me to live. Forgiving those who have hurt me. Loving those who are my enemies. People I don't like. Praying for those who persecute me. Refusing to gossip looking for joy in the midst of my pain Sometimes we got to look really hard Not living in a spirit of fear But of love and power and of sound mind believing the best about people Because you are who you say you are Jesus I will live the way You want me to live and because Jesus you are who you say you are I believe I am who you say I am. I'm not what everyone else says I am, or I'm not not what everyone else says I should be, not what some magazine or celebrity or news pundit or Facebook friend or Instagram ideal of what I should be, but I am who you say I am, Heavenly Father. My identity comes from you. Out of His fullness, we receive our own. And then finally, Gosh, man. Can you see why that verse can capture your heart out of His fullness? We've all received grace upon grace, or grace in place of grace already given. One blessing after another, one grace after another. I love how John puts that grace upon grace. My kids really love Legos. We have tons of them all over the floor in our house. No, they're not in their bins. They're on the floor. And uh, we get in the mail the Lego catalog, you know, of all the awesome stuff that has come in, they've created. Now, this last season was actually pretty awesome. They had this Voltron Lego set with all the five lions I mean, it was, it was amazing. Even I went, oh, my gosh, yes, Voltron and Legos. My brother actually got it for Christmas this year, and so we got to put it together. So it was pretty awesome. But think about that. <laughs> when, when, the, when the Lego catalog comes, the, the, our house goes quiet for a little while because they're just they're, they're looking at this catalog, and they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Then the house gets loud because they're coming to me and Bethany saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. You know, you think about putting together a set, Benny Spaceship, or a castle or something. What do, you, what do you do? Right? You start with one brick, then you put another brick on top of that brick in a certain way. All those bricks are different shapes, they're different sizes, they're different colors, and they all go together in a certain way. But you know the joy of Legos, right? You know that the joy of Legos is that it does not come in the box already put together. No, you put each piece on one after another, brick upon brick upon brick. And in the end, you get this pretty cool creation with some of the cool-looking pieces. Uh, Some some of the cool-looking pieces are actually deep down on the inside of the creation where The only one who put the thing together knows that they're there. And that's how I picture this phrase here from John. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace, grace upon grace, grace upon grace. Our life is formed. Our life is shaped by a series of graces, a series of experiences, a series of blessings upon blessings upon blessings, experiences upon experiences upon experiences. They come together. To form something so cool according to the master's design and plans. Would you look at your neighbor and say, You are so cool? Just do that real quick. You are something so cool. (laughs) Now, in real life, of course, some of those experiences don't feel good, they are not good, they don't feel like graces. They don't feel like blessings. Often there's our t- there are times in our lives where o- it's only when we look back we can say what Joseph once said about his own life, what looked like harm at the time God was able to use it for good. There's nothing God cannot use to bring about the good in our lives. Even, even the painful times can be seen as graces upon graces as they shape us into who God is creating us to be as they shape us into what God is creating with our lives, right? Even, even the, the, uh, the small piece that's deep inside of you that only your creator knows about is part of creating something so beautiful and so necessary and so worthwhile for our world, and what is the end result of all those graces upon graces, experiences upon experiences, good things upon good things, bad things upon bad things? What is the end result? The picture. What is the picture at the back of the instruction booklet? Right? It's a picture of Christ. It's a picture of becoming like Christ, of being filled up to all the fullness of God. It's a picture of Paul's prayer being answered for our lives that we may be filled up to the measure of all the fullness of God. This past weekend, the famous poet Mary Oliver passed away, and gosh, what a what a what a what a weekend, right? <clears throat> and she wrote this uh, this poem called "When Death Comes," a very famous poem that she wrote. This is an excerpt from her poem. I just want to conclude with this. You can can hear her uh, longing for this fullness of life that Christ can give us. She writes this. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over... I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Let's pray together. God, we want to be full of your presence, so that we can uh, have a very real presence in this world, a very meaningful, deep presence in this world. How incredible it is that the fullness of God entered into human flesh. How incredible it is that out of that fullness, we have the privilege to receive We confess, as Charles confessed earlier, that we, we have filled our lives with um, other things that we try to get this fullness from. And so we just take a moment in this time, in this place, to reorient ourselves around you and to receive from you exactly what we need. I pray for each one of my friends here that you would fill them, that you would. In this moment of ministry, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill them, fill their hearts, fill their souls, fill their desires with exactly what they need. And as you build our lives, as we we build our lives upon your grace, upon grace, upon grace, Help us to remember that we are being formed into the image of Christ so that we can be Christ for our friends, our family, our neighbors, our city, our nation. We pray this in Jesus' name.